Hey, good afternoon, Adam. How you doing? Fantastic, Jack. How about yourself? Good. I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners, and I'm here with my partner, Adam Sunhalter. That's it. We've been together for 20 years doing this business coaching, and it seems like only yesterday. I used to have a beard, but I shaved it off. Yeah, we got <laughs> we got somebody with us tonight, today, this afternoon. You used to have a beard too, but I didn't get to see it. I just heard about it. That's right. There, uh, there's rumors abounding about that, Jack. Right? Oh, definitely. There's the he's the talk. Of the, he's got one truck that he drives around town. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, with that, you, if you could see it, he's got a beard, but he doesn't have one today with us. That's right. So anyway, who I'm talking about is Mr. Terry Walkerly. And uh, he is owner, chairman, all the fancy titles that go along with uh, being the CEO of Filta. And is that the, Filter, you, is the, is the name environmental. More than, yeah, Filter Environmental, NEO, NEO is in Northeast Ohio. Is that correct? So Filter Environmental, NEO, and we'll put a link in the in the notes for the for the website. Are we getting that right, Terry? Yes. So we're we're an independent franchisee for Filter Environmental Kitchen Solutions, and, and so, our yep, Filter NEO is our Twitter and tweet and Instagram <laughs> and all that stuff. <laughs> it's all part all part of the branding, right? And and uh, that's right. We'll delve into we'll delve into the filter stuff uh, here here a little a little later on. We want to get to your your, your backstory first because you know a big part of what we like to do with our show here when we have guests on is, is get a chance for our guests to kind of share their story. And a big reason for that, Terry, is 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 we find that most <coughs> entrepreneurs have very relatable stories in terms of things that you've gone through, things you've experienced that people say, "Oh, I've had that happen to me," or "Hey, that may have happened," and just be able to kind of learn from somebody else's experience. And you've got a a, a tremendous entrepreneurial journey that you've been on a lot of ups and downs you know, over the years and have lived to tell about it and, and really survive and thrive through it so we're, we're, we're excited to have you as part of the show today um uh, and terry was a client of ours for for a couple of years back in the early days of filta but he, you know we've stayed in touch and we, we, we've celebrated his success along the way but uh before we get into all that detail why don't you get give folks just a little background about yourself in terms of kind of the kind of where you where you grew up and, and, and kind of, you know, your, your work history and all those kind of things. Why don't you kind of start out there and, and we'll jump in and kind of direct you in different ways, you know, for, for parts that, that we know to kind of fill some of the story in as well. Sure. Well, Adam and Jack, Jack, it's great to see you. And uh, yeah, same here. Adam, Definitely. It's fun, fun to have uh, lunch and catch up. I, after I left lunch, I was thinking, shit, I mean, I've been in business 15 years and, um, this is going to be, you know, July will be our 15 year celebration. I think I started working with you guys like year two right. in this company. Um, so, and there was things that I still do today that I learned from, uh, from you guys. So um, it's uh, every bit of my, uh, my career, my journey really in, in business and life has always been being a lifelong learner and trying to, you know, get better every time we can. So uh, I grew up in, uh, I was born in Cleveland. Uh, my parents were born and raised and we're, our whole family from, uh, from Lakewood actually. And uh, um, we uh, moved to Worcester, Ohio is really kind of where I grew up. Went to high school in Worcester. <clears throat> my dad had bought a moving and storage business. Uh, we moved there when I was about 12. And, you know, I don't really know that I have the typical entrepreneurial story of when, you know, selling newspapers. I mean, I probably sold some illicit things that, you know, I don't really want to um, <laughs> put, uh, on put out there, <laughs> but it's kind of the same, you know, I mean, it was entrepreneurial, I guess. And uh, um, 
it, it growing up interestingly enough it, it just was kind of like uh i worked i mean I, I like to have money so you know i did did um uh i started working my first job was working on a farm so um i worked for the the farmer where we moved where we lived they built this his house for his family and then he he cut a street in and there was a handful of houses that they built there and that's where my dad bought and um george gingery owned the farm and his son was my age and i started milking cows i thought that was the coolest thing coming from the city you know <laughs> and uh and that was probably one of the jobs that i actually enjoyed like waking up and going to even though my job was like shoveling manure um you know there was something about that and uh you know the <laughs> fact that they appreciated it um so the uh but that was probably one of the few jobs I've ever gotten. I've never gotten fired from. Um, most jobs <laughs> after that, uh, I I had been fired. Um, I I worked for my father a number of times, and he fired me a number of times, as well as you know his uh, his team. So um, after high school, uh, I had um, uh, was working a little bit. Uh, met my uh, first wife and. That moved us to um, uh, Lexington, Kentucky, uh, and then somewhere in that process, we we ended up back in Columbus, Ohio, and that was kind of when I started my first business. Um, we started a, a commercial cleaning business, and it really came out of a friend was building. Um, he was working. They were building Muirfield Village at the time, so this was back in the uh, late '80s, early '90s, and. Uh, this guy was hauling away all the boards and bricks and garbage from the construction sites when the houses were being built. And he said, hey, the builders need somebody to come in and clean these houses and get them ready for uh, the owners when they come in. So it was like <laughs> scraping windows, cleaning bathrooms, cleaning floors. And, and uh, um, I was like, well, I need something to do. So it sounds like, you know, that sounds like I can do that. Um, and that's kind of how that business started. Um, my ex-wife and myself and one of our buddies we went out and I had a station wagon at the time and we bought some cleaning equipment a vacuum cleaners some scrapers and went in and you know that that was the uh, start of our journey um and we were we we built that into um not really I mean it was more of just like a job I mean we had a handful of people that worked with us um we did these houses and then we ended up we had some apartments that we did and and then um uh, we met the, um, did a couple restaurants, had an office building, and then I met the, uh, uh, one of the largest property owners on Ohio State's campus. Uh, so one summer we did all the, you know, the turnover from the fall to the, um, from the summer to the fall uh, going in. I think we did like 2,200 apartments um, at that time. And I was calling Wait, now, everybody. Now, now was this still on mm -hmm. the back of your, was this still on the back of the station wagon? Uh, yeah. yeah, so out of the back of the state, I can remember walking into the guy's office um, and we walk in the office and they hand us like literally two handfuls of keys, like not on a box, not, you know, just here you go. <laughs> no marks, like, no markings on them or any identity. We have a list, we have a list, and we have keys. Some of them have tags, some of them don't. <laughs> So we know where we're going and this is pre you know we didn't there's no cell phones there's no gps uh 
Um, and uh, so we're looking at our, those, I don't know if you remember those orange maps, um, you know, uh, that you'd have the orange map books and they were grids of the streets. And right. um, so uh, that's what we had. <laughs> <laughs> how, many was, of you, uh, how many of you were there? I think at that time, I think we probably had seven of us doing these. We were working okay. 24-7, uh, seven days yeah. a week. Um, now, we were young. I mean, I was 20 maybe at that time. So I didn't need a lot of sleep and didn't need a lot to eat. So it was, you know, it was we just kept working. It worked, it worked well. All right. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, that was a few years. Um, and then I started talking to my dad again um, about... I never really, I kind of had an idea. I wanted to be back in the business and work in the moving business. Um, I never really knew if I aspired to own it and take it over for my dad or I, I wasn't real sure, but I thought, I thought maybe that would, that would be cool. Like I, I might want to do that. And uh, so we started having a conversation about um, there was a location. My dad, he was a United Van Lines agent in Worcester and um, there was a, some of the work that he was doing at the time, um, he had BP oil and Rubbermaid was really big in Worcester. Um, and BP, he had just gotten the contract to do a lot of their, I think he got half of their international business. So they were moving people from the UK and a lot of people were coming in from Australia um, at the time coming to Cleveland. And uh, there was a little company up in Elyria, Ohio that um, my dad, uh, was talking to those guys. They were in their sixties, um, looking, they weren't really looking to sell, but they weren't really interested in staying in business. So, um, my dad and I started talking and I said, Hey, I, you know, I'd like to go up there and try and run this thing. Um, and it didn't quite happen as easy as, or the way I, I had planned it. Um, <laughs> but you know, we, uh, um, we ended up selling our, our uh, the, um, the, the accounts to the um, cleaning business. There was a guy that we knew, he gave me, you know, maybe 10,000 bucks or something uh, for, you know, whatever I had and um, the, uh, um, the account list. And I introduced them to, you know, the customers. And I moved back to Worcester um, and we uh, uh, started was working with my dad that summer. I think it was it was around summertime. So I ended up driving a truck for the whole summer. Again, as not what I planned, but that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and then we uh, we closed on the deal up in Elyria, and I went to uh, so it was in the fall of uh, I think it was 1990, either 90 or 91. My daughter was born, and uh, I moved to Cleveland. Um, my ex-wife was still living in Worcester because, uh, you know, she was pregnant. We were waiting for autumn, my, my, my first child to be born. And uh, started there. We, you know, it was a small company. We had a few trucks. The goal was, you know, we took on warehouse space because we were going to start doing this BP oil business and, um, you know, try to grow it. And the goal at that time was I was an employee for my, I worked for my dad. Um, and, you know, I, uh, Ultimately, I was going to build equity and uh, be able to, you know, at some point own the business. Um, so uh, with all well-laid plans, <laughs> what's that saying? And they say, Mike Tyson says everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. That's well, right. That's right. Yeah. That's just... <laughs> so I had heard a, the other day. Words of wisdom. Say, 
Yeah, I said, uh, I heard the other day someone was taught, we were talking about, you know, you have to, you have to have a plan and plan for that plan not to go as planned. <laughs> <laughs> Say that so, fast three times, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So this is kind of like the move, you know, my moving story. Um, you know, my dad gave me an opportunity. I, I learned a lot in that business. Um, I ran the company in Elyria. I was there for 13 years. Um, worked for my dad for about seven. Um, and I think it was, yeah, seven, seven or somewhere around there. 99 is when I ended up um, buying that <clears throat> business. Uh, you know, I'm sure that there's plenty of people listening and people you've worked with that have been in family businesses and, you know, some of them go real well. Um, most of them don't go very well. Most of them don't. And, yeah. Right. Um, you know, we were second generation. My dad started that, you know, he bought that business. He was 20. I want to say he was 27, um, high school dropout, uh, you know, had worked in the moving business, had an opportunity, went to Worcester and, and, you know, bought the business. And, so he built something and, and he was doing really well. And, and we were, you know, we had grown the business um, in Cleveland, but our, you know, our challenge is both of us have a very similar, um, you know, we're both really unemployable. So, and we both need to be in control and we need to be the boss. Um, so we didn't always see eye to eye and uh, um, it came to a head. Uh, you know, not to get into the drama of things. And, you know, my dad probably will listen to this one day. So I want to let him know that I do love him. <laughs> he's he's, he's going to call and say, wait a minute, I have time for a, a rebuttal to what Terry said. Let me, let me come back and ask him call about my side of the story, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, you know, so I bought the business. So in, in 99, um, you know, my dad and I kind of, I would say we got a divorce. Um, we had you know, we really kind of came to a head, um, you know, it, it, uh, the way I remember it is that, you know, it was like, Hey, if you don't like it, then you can buy me, you know, you can buy it. And I said, okay, I will. And, um, so I, I had, uh, um, one of his friends, one of my dad's good friends, uh, was, uh, had just sold his business and was looking for some I don't know. He just kind of took me under his wing as a, as a mentor and he was trying to help, you know, help us put this together. And, uh, um, so, you know, that business we bought, it was interesting, uh, learned a ton about how, um, you know, how to try to make this work with no money. Um, and, you know, my dad was looking at it from a standpoint that he wanted X amount of dollars and, um, and, you know, value was higher than what I thought it was. And, you know, he thought it was, he thought the value was higher than, yeah, right. So um, we ended up, what we did on that was we had, you know, we're, this is a moving storage business. So, you know, our assets, we had a bunch of rolling stock trucks and trailers and we had equipment and then we had storage accounts and receivables. And, and then, uh, you know, by this point, we predominantly in Cleveland were a residential mover. We, we didn't do a lot of um, that corporate business. The BP business went away um, and we got we just got really good at, you know, um, local moving and interstate moving uh, and capturing, um, you know, local customers. So 
uh, we developed, you know, at that time we had a pretty strong direct mail and telemarketing program. And, and we just, you know, we had a sales team that was out there, you know, going after those people. Um, so when we bought the business, we had, we did it in three chunks. My dad carried a note. Um, the, uh, um, actually my, what we, what we did is actually four. My dad had two notes. So he had a, we had a note. The initial note was like a, a three-year um, term. Then we had a 10-year term. And then we, then I, I financed the equipment. So I went refinanced all the equipment to get cash. And then the bank gave me a little bit of money. Um, so it was really a lot of people uh, to take on the debt to service that um, uh, debt to, to, to take the, to buy that sale or make that sale. And uh, so it was it was perfect for us. We we grew um, pretty significantly after that. Uh, you know, we we went. Um, I put a, a few more salespeople in. We started doing some office moving. We picked up some national accounts. Um, you know, we we're. I I don't know that it was like there was something holding back between you know the relationship with my dad or. But certainly there was, you know, um, I learned to, I know now today that business and personal, there's, they're very close together. There isn't, there isn't much difference between, you know, if life is difficult at home or in, you know, if my life is difficult as a person and a human, it's going to be really difficult at work. Um, if, if, so they, they, there's not, there's not a, um, there's not a real big line in between that. And you guys know me. I mean, I, I'm, I'm an open book. So, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, um, it's hard to hide uh, if there is really a problem. Oh, those are very, very wise uh, statement, right? In terms of, yeah, you know, people often will say, you know, it's, it's not personal, it's just business. And, 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 you know, it's like, you know, especially when it comes to the, the small businesses, right? I mean, we're talking about corporate America. That's one thing. We're talking about a, a small business. It's always got some personal stuff to it, right? It, it's hard to separate those things. And I, I want to just jump back real quick because you talked about the idea of being able to do this with, with no money, this being buying, you know, buying out the company. And it's something that Jack and I talk a lot to a lot of people about. And, and when people are looking at buying a company, we often ask them a, a, a palate cleansing question, which is, if they gave it to you, would you take it? All right. And so what you just described is, okay, that's a way of, you know, they gave it to you, right? It wasn't money out of your pocket. You, you know, your dad took two notes back. You, you, you were able to, to, to leverage your assets and you, you got a little bit of money from the bank. Okay. So you putting, you're putting your sweat equity. Again, people use that term sweat equity. That's what you're doing. You were putting your, your blood, sweat and tears into this thing, but you weren't putting a ton of money. So people say, well, how does this happen? Okay. This is, this is it. It's a great example for here's how you can go buy a company without any money. That's a great, that's a great way to do it. So, okay. So you, you come in now, you guys had, had some very, very good growth, some pretty fast growth. It sounds like, and, and, and to your point, you're saying, Hey, you're not sure if there's something that was going on with, with you and your dad that kind of held you back. And I was laughing when you said that you didn't have the entrepreneurial story, but then you know you quickly followed up with, well, yeah, I got fired from every job. I'm thinking, okay, well, that's usually a, a hint. <laughs> that, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that, 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 yeah. As you said, you're not employed by somebody else because yeah, you have ideas of what you want to do. And, and often the boss doesn't want to be pushed that hard. Right. And so, and it's hard for you to kind of do that. Uh, another, another thing I want to point out real quick, you know, b b before I forgot about it, you opened up Terry talking about being a, being a lifelong learner. And, you know, you've already mentioned a bunch of times just in terms of kind of whether it be the, the, the commercial cleaning business and now getting into the movie business where you kind of learn some stuff. But, but what I love about it, too, is 
you know, you didn't mention your, your fancy pants college degree, right? Because, <laughs> and, and, and I bring it up because again, this is something that, that Jack and I have been battling for a long time. And there are so many entrepreneurs who have tremendous success and yet they're still made to feel like second-class citizens because they didn't go to either. They didn't go to college or they didn't graduate or they didn't graduate from the right college. And, and, we're, and we're thinking it's absolutely insane. And it's usually with the cases, it, it, it's folks like you that say, look, I love to learn. But I want to learn about what I want to learn about that's going to help me versus what they want to teach me about, right? And so it seems like it's probably more of that standpoint. But mm -hmm. I want to make sure I kind of point that out that again, here's what you're hearing, folks. Again, you know, if you have an idea and you want to do it and you want to learn about it and, and work hard, you can do just about anything that you want. So I want to just kind of drop those things. Like that's you know, that's it's fantastic. And I really appreciate you sharing those parts of the story. So okay, so back to our back to our to, to our growing moving company now. Yeah, well, so I appreciate that because there is the the piece of I think the other the other thing that pushed me towards making that decision that I got to either get out of this you know situation with my dad uh, or go do something like I either got to buy it or not is is because of my learning you know so I I've read every business I mean not every business book there is but that was really a big part of my learning I mean I barely graduated I think they gave let me gave me the diploma just to get me out of high school. Um, <laughs> So the, uh, and, you know, I mean, I, di I didn't start reading really until I was probably in my late 20s or 30s. I mean, you know, what I'm like reading to, to, to learn. Um, but, you know, what I did do is I joined a mastermind group in, um, in the moving business. So, you know, the, uh, um, I hadn't really started getting mentors or, or coaches until later in my life, but um, you know, at that time, there was a group that was through the, the um, American Moving and Storage Association, and uh, this guy was running a mastermind group, and it was, um, it was CEOs, you know, our group was seven CEOs of various different size companies. So our smallest company was about half a million dollar business. Our largest company was um, about 150 million. Um, that's that big, guy that's today, <laughs> yeah. So that guy today, that's a, that was 150 million. Um, he is the largest independent mover, uh, in the country. He's like the 50th largest landowner in the country. Yeah. He's a pretty smart guy. Um, yeah. but you know, I think that there is like, uh, and he too, he, he, he's, uh, um, he dropped out of high school as well, started his moving business at 16 with a U-Haul. Um, <laughs> but I it. think to your point, I mean, it's, uh, I think I would have enjoyed to college cause I like to learn. Um, I certainly would have, it would not have fit at that time. Um, and I think there's value, but I, I, I also think that, you know, that's not the, the necessity to be successful. Um, and I'm also not a believer that everybody can be an entrepreneur either. So, uh, you know, I, I think that there are certain skills that are inherent and there's things that you can learn and, and, um, uh, and, and, and you can, you can be successful at it, but, uh, there's also, I think, I think the difference is really about risk and the willingness to, you know, how much you're willing to risk, um, and, you know, uh, yet have to, I, I'm, I, I would say I'm pretty much a glutton for, for punishment. So, you know, my, my, my risk tolerance is, is really high. Um, so, uh, so we went, 
and and no, but, the, but the, as good. you learn, as you learn, Terry, as you gain more knowledge through these uh, experiences, you know the the wins and the losses. As you get older and more experienced, you don't basically embrace risks the way you did when you didn't know anything. You know. Yeah, that's exactly you know, right. Yeah, you drive right off the end of the cliff, uh, you know, unless you're educated and know that there's a cliff there. And, right. and that's the difference, you know, you, you right. keep learning. Get more that, that's right. That's a, that's a great point. We were talking, we weren't, we were talking about that not too long ago about, you know, things that I'm doing today that are different than then, you know, like, I actually have an attorney that I talk to, not that I like to, but I mean, I, you know, because we're talking about these things. We're talking about, you know, mitigating risk. And that as it's nothing I would have ever thought about 20 years ago or even 30 years ago. Um, That's right. That's a big, big deal. So you, you see yep. these guys making it real big. They don't lose. Right. They, they know and they, they, they've, they've accomplished enough where they have the, the connections to really do it. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's why it's fun. Yep. So in the getting moving to the, to the, to the growth in the moving business, I mean, this was where this is a, a good risk story because, you know, you, again, taking that personal and business and my dad and I had our, our relationship was really tough, really struggling. And I had young kids and, you know, family is important to me and, but, you know, going to visit and all that was really a challenge. Um, and uh, uh, so we decided, I thought, well, maybe I should just start talking to him and see if I can buy the Worcester location. <laughs> and, um, you know, making an emotional business decision is usually not a good idea, <laughs> um, which is what we did. We, you know, so I ended up buying that location. Uh, I was pretty well leveraged um, at the time anyways. I mean, I had some cash. I had a really good banking relationship because um, we were growing. And, the, and uh, I think we went from, we were doing about a million, little over a million dollars. And by the time we got to this point to buy the Worcester location, I think we were doing about three. And uh, Worcester was maybe around a million or something like that. <clears throat> and uh, um, so the bank was like, hey, I'll just, I'll give you the money. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so I, you know, I ended up buying that business from my dad and, and um, I, we were not ready uh, in, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I was, I had a, I, you know, I, Never really had a big ego, but I had some people on my team that really had some big egos and, uh, um, you know, kind of helped push that. So we weren't looking at the things that were important, like taking care of the customers. You know, my dad had built a business that was, I mean, one of the things that, and today I know this, and this is how I handle run my business today is, you know, I mean, people are the most important, the customers, if you take care of the people, they're going to take care of the customers. Um, and, you know, but you treat everybody with respect and everybody that the way you want to be treated. And the, uh, at that time, we didn't really understand that. My dad was really good at that. Um, I mean, he had some customers, I mean, Smuckers, my dad had for life and they were one of his first customers. He grew with them. Um, you know, they were a small, 
you know, I don't know, $50 million company, $100 million company, maybe when my dad started. And, you know, they're a multi-billion dollar organization now. Um, and uh, so, we, you know, when we took the business over, uh, we crashed and burned pretty quickly. Uh, I would say it was probably two years. That was 90. See, I bought my business in 99, 2003 or four. Um, I bought Worcester. Uh, we were just, you know, debt was, we were, you know, swimming in debt. We didn't have the right team. Um, you know, I had some turnover, my personal life, I got divorced in that period of time. And, um, you know, we just, we, we, we started not being able to make our debt. Our quality was bad. Um, you know, it was just, it was a nightmare. I couldn't hold it all together. Um, and in 2000 and, you know, so we all know what happened in, you know, 2007, eight, nine, uh, you know, 2006, the, we started seeing the market changing. Um, you know, again, we were vi still very heavy into residential moving. So, you know, you could see the housing market slowing down. Um, you know, people weren't, houses were staying on the market a long time. They weren't selling, you know, it's just that there's a lot of things going on. I was not interested and happy in that business, um, which, you know, then uh, attributed to just kind of, you know, not getting anywhere. Um, and then in 2006, uh, I had, um, uh, I met my wife, Chris, and um, we had, uh, we were just kind of talking about what do we do here? Like, you know, I'm drowning in debt. I'm, uh, I'm not happy in the business. I don't really know how to fix what's going on. And so that was the first coach I ever hired. Um, she encouraged me to hire this guy to come in and really just kind of help me think about what to do. Like, what, what, what could we do? Um, you know, could we merge? Could we sell the business, merge with someone? Um, do we liquidate? Do we try to um, take some money, get some money, uh, raise some money and, and, um, and grow this thing? Uh, or do we just scale it down and become really, really white cloth, you know, niche, uh, white glove, whatever. And it finally came down to like, I don't want to do any of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, what I want to do is I want to be out of this business. Um, and uh, we said, okay, well then here's what that looks like. Um, and we started talking about what does it look like? Uh, I think I owe the bank about, uh, I know these bankers are going to be listening to this, but I think I owe the bank, uh, I think I owe the bank about 750,000, maybe a million bucks. Um, I owed my dad um, probably somewhere in the half a million dollar range. Um, and then various other, you know, I mean, vendors and, you know, whoever else, uh, um, the, uh, it's so long ago, I, those numbers, I just forgot. Like, I don't even want to think about it, that the numbers aren't important. Um, so, you know, we decided that, well, I decided that um, uh, I, I called the bank and I, I was already, we were talking about, we were talking to them about some of these options. So we had, we had been talking, we were not too far behind on our, on our payments, but we were behind. And, um, and then uh, uh, 
we're, they're like, um, they put us in workout. So then we get this other guy come in and workout is, uh, you know, they have somebody come in and just basically want you to liquid, <laughs> do whatever you can to pay us. And we don't give a shit what happens. Right. And, uh, <laughs> Minimize the damage from their standpoint. Right. In terms of how- exactly that, that's yeah. what workout is. Yeah. So I was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll take, I'll take a stab at this. And so I spent about two months calling everybody I knew, you know, trying to liquidate and sell all the pieces, parts of the business, trucks, storage accounts, you know, whatever we had, we didn't own the building. Um, and, uh, I think I, I got us like, I had, I had kind of tentative commitments at about uh, half a million bucks or something and, uh, go back to the bank. And I'm like, this is, you know, this is where I'm at. And they're like, well, do you think you can get a couple hundred more? I'm like, well, dude, I've been working for like two and a half weeks on this. I mean, that's all I've been doing. And, uh, like, I'm not sure. Listen, let me come back to you. And then a few days later, I'm just like, you know what? I, I, I'm not, I don't want to work for them. Like, I'm not going to do this. Um, and, uh, I decided I was going to close the business and, you know, going to have to file bankruptcy. Um, so I went into the bank. I had a box. So that key story is, is, is ironic because I, I did the same thing, but I put them all in a box this time. I didn't just walk it. That would have been kind of fun, actually, just put them all, have all the keys on the chain. They had tags on them. They knew what was what. But um, the, uh, when I walked in, I put it on the guy's desk. I'm like, I'm out. I'm done. So, uh, and uh, that was that. Um, so that was in March of 26. 2006 and uh um i was fucking terrified pardon my french but um i i didn't know what i mean one part of my, one time in my life i really didn't know what i was going to do uh you know i i was uh, uh my identity was really tied up in that business and you know that what i had done and grown it um you know i was embarrassed by the uh you know having to to um not meet my obligations. Um, I wasn't, you know, didn't help the relationship with my dad for a little while because <laughs> I owed him some money. Um, although, right. you know, he was gracious uh, at that time. Um, he, uh, he, I, he, I think he, he understood. Um, and maybe he felt bad for me, but uh, the, um, uh, he, at that point, our relationship was more important than, you know, the, the money. Um, and so, you know, we, uh, uh, fortunately I had met my wife, um, she, she in, in her own right is a very successful business owner. Um, and you know, she was able to support me for a little while. Uh, and she's like, Hey, you know, take your time, figure out what you want to do. Um, so this was March of 2006 and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I, I can hang out and, you know, <laughs> this would be kind of fun. <laughs> so, you know, I knew that I, I couldn't get a job. Like getting a job wasn't going to work for me. Um, I had other, mo- I had a bunch of buddies in the moving business. I could have went and worked with, worked for, or done things with. Um, I knew a bunch of people and I just, I'm like, I don't really want to do that, but I don't really know what I want to do. Um, and anytime anybody ever asked me, you know, be like, Hey, what, you know, what are you going to do next? I'm like, I don't know. Clown school sounds pretty good. <laughs> and 
Because I'm like, I'm just so tired of hearing it. And they didn't know how, to, nobody knew how to respond to that. So I was like, that's, that was a good one that stuck. <laughs> and uh, so we, we had, um, um, by the summer I had kind of landed on, I was looking at some franchise businesses and um, uh, I thought maybe I was going to be like a business broker or, you know, talking to some of those kinds of people. And uh, went on a trip with Chris, my wife's in uh, philanthropy, and uh, went to this conference out in Seattle. And uh, these guys were, you know, there was a tract about alternative energy. And there was an after hours party where Willie Nelson and um, Daryl Hannah were going to be at. And they were talking about the sustainable biodiesel. So I thought, I didn't really hear the sustainable biodiesel, but I thought, well, shit, Willie and Daryl Hannah are going to be there. I gotta it's go got to be good. Out. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was fun. And, uh, but I went and I started talking to these guys and there was a bunch of people there that were building these little community scale biodiesel plants. And if you remember back in 2007, six and seven, exact same thing was happening. Prices, gas prices were going up. Uh, you know, we, the oil, crude oil was over 150 bucks. Um, and people were running their cars on vegetable oil. And um, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Uh, and I started down this path of thinking, wow, you know, I was in a trucking business and you can run diesels on vegetable oil. Maybe I can build a biodiesel plant and do this in Ohio, what these guys are doing out in California. And uh, um, learned real quickly that I didn't want to be in the, be competing with big oil or be in the, you know, biodiesel business. But what I did find is I found this franchise that was, uh, that fil that's Filta, which is my current business today. <clears throat> and uh, Filta, uh, at the time, they were a company that was founded in the UK to filter deep fryers. So they would, they had a machine, you'd go in, you'd filter in, and clean the deep fryer so the oil would last longer. And that was their service. Um, and I thought, well, shit, this is a good idea. I can go do this and I can collect the oil and then I'll have the oil. So I'll get paid to get the oil. And, you know, um, so I got real narrowly focused on that, not realizing that there's a lot of competitors that collect the oil. Um, and then, uh, um, you know, and then the biodiesel piece was a, was kind of a, um, an expense and a hassle I didn't want to be involved in. So I went down to the, uh, um, the, 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 what do they call it? The discovery day at Filta. And, you know, I was nervous about having a franchise relationship because I'm like, I don't really want somebody telling me what to do. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I need to, I don't have the idea. So I'm okay with that. I'm okay with paying the royalty because, you know, I mean, it's their idea. So how involved are these guys going to be? And I show up at the, the discovery day and, you know, it's, um, I'm not going to say it that way. I go show up to the discovery day and these are good Florida guys, you know, and then there's the two Brits that own the, own the business. And that's kind of like, yeah, I think I'm okay here. <laughs> they, they, went, they didn't quite, it didn't quite look like they had it all together. And I was like, and then as I started doing my due diligence, calling the existing franchisees and people that had, um, that were in, and, you know, they weren't, they, they came to the state, they were only in the States for about four or five years. So there wasn't a lot of people before me, but there was about half and half that had failed and that are, were still in business. Um, so I was able to talk to a lot of people 
And everybody was like, yeah, as long as you pay your royalties, they're not going to bother you. And I was like, well, that's what I want to hear. Easy so, enough. Okay, sold, right? <laughs> and uh, so I come back to Cleveland and I'm sitting out. Uh, now, at this point, I was getting pretty good at like just going to the coffee shop, reading the paper, you know, just kind of chilling <laughs> out, easing my way into the day. And uh, so I'm sitting over at the coffee shop and, and I'm, um, I'm reading the paper and I, and I uh, have a habit of reading the classifieds. I mean, to this day, if there's a classified ad anywhere, I read it. And, you know, back in the moving days, it was to see who was moving, you know, who's hiring people, what's going on. Um, and then I don't even know why I do it today. It's just a habit. And I look at the business opportunities section. I do. I do the same thing. And I, Isn't that I, weird? It's weird. Yeah, when you, I, I'm glad I know you, Terry. You're, you're one, of a, a, one in a million here. It's interesting. It, it just, you know, stuff happens like that, as you're going to tell us here. Yeah. So, I, you know, <laughs> the uh, so I'm, re I'm reading the business opportunity section and there's a filter franchise for sale. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I look at it and I'm like, I look at the phone number and it's a 440 area code. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I pick up the phone immediately, call the guy and he lives right down the road from me. You know, I, I could ride my bike to his house. I'm like, what in the world? How, how did the goofballs down in Florida not know this? And then, you know, and it turned out that he owned the terrace, the West Side Territory, which was the terrace, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I live in Avon Lake. And, you know, so our, the territory was kind of broken down at 77. And Cuyahoga County was broken up into four sections. So there was, you know, kind of a north, if you take north, southeast, west quadrants. So this guy, so I go meet him, you know, and he's a young guy, he's a pilot. And uh, his wife was a, um, uh, um, a desk, one of the, you know, the, the stewards that bore on the plane that work at the desk. And he thought he was going to buy this business for her to run. And, you know, this, this was, this woman was, you know, petite, you know, beautiful, like long nails. And she's the one out cleaning fryers. And I'm like, what are you thinking? Like, how do you, how do you think this wasn't going to be the right fit for her? <laughs> so they had been in business for about three months and um, um, just kind of got started. Uh, had a handful. I think they might, I think if it, when we started the business, we had six accounts that they had. Um, so for me, it was a great deal because I was able to buy directly from them. So I saved a bunch of money from the not having to pay a lot of the upstart franchise fees. Um, and I, at that time, I was able to opt out, opt out of the training um, uh, in the field. I could just go down to their training in Florida. And, you know, again, at the time, what, <laughs> what, what they considered training in Florida I, I hate, would have hated to see what training in the field looked like. So, um, so starting the business, my goal was, you know, I, I wanted to learn um, how everything worked. So, you know, this business was these guys, I bought a truck from them. We had our proprietary machine, which is this filtration unit that filters the oil. And, um, and then, you know, we have some equipment that we use to clean, you know, tools and, and a vacuum and, um, and that, and I had six customers that I had bought from the guy, one of which was, um, Jacob's field at the time. And, uh, 
Um, so I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to work the summer. I bought the business in July. I think I closed in the middle of July and I'm like, I'm going to work the remainder of the baseball season on the van. I'm going to do it myself. If I need help, I'll hire, you know, I'll find a temporary person or get somebody to help me. And I took care of all these accounts myself because I wanted to know how things broke. I wanted to know, you know, how long things took, um, you know, what's the cleaning process? Uh, you know, how do I avoid getting burned? Uh, you know, just all the stuff that could happen. Um, and looking back on it today, I think, wow, that was pretty smart of me. Back then, I was just like, I, I just need to figure this out um, because these guys didn't know anything. Um, or the franchisor wasn't providing a lot of support in that. And then, so I met a couple of franchisees that kind of helped me work through what I'm like when the machine broke and I couldn't figure out how to fix it. You know, I had a couple guys that I could call on and they would help me. Um, and that's how it started. And we took on uh, a handful of, um, uh, I, I did that business. And then after baseball season, I decided I was going to hire my first technician. Um, and I hired this guy and then I went out and started selling. And uh, um, I picked up a bunch of business in the first, um, you know, probably the first four or five months. Uh, we bought another van, uh, hired another person, um, and, you know, just kind of kept, uh, kept going after that, that piece of the business. And we were focused on, at that time, I was focused on collecting the oil um, and filtering. So um, I was selling the oil to a local renderer, um, but my goal was to try to, you know, build that business because I still had this idea of you know, being in the biodiesel business. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know where you want me to go. I mean, oh, like the, so, go, yeah. moving forward, there's a bunch of stuff. So, no, so that, so you're, <laughs> you're talking about franchise, I think a lot of folks, when they start to kind of think about it, your point, you're starting to kind of search here, you're, you're just open to stuff. And, and, and people, most people can't, can't, you know, or don't have a chance to experience having some free time, whether it be a few weeks or a few months or, or, or a year to kind of explore stuff. And so you started looking at stuff and, and people with franchises, your point, I think often they, they aren't sure what they're getting. And I think many of them think that you, you get in there and they, they being the franchisor has everything figured out. And that might be the case for some of the big names, you know, the, the, the McDonald's or Subways of the world, but there are a lot of franchisors that are out there. And what people often discover is much like the, the story you're sharing, Terry, which is, okay, well, they have a concept that, that works and it might work in a certain location or a certain country and that, but often it's the franchisees that are figuring out how to get the stuff to work, you know? And so to your point, well, I'm looking at the franchisor in Florida for some ideas, but really the, the good stuff I'm getting is from the, the other guys in the field because they, they've been kind of going through right. this stuff and they're, they're struggling with stuff. So they're trying to be able to kind of figure some stuff out. Now that was good because yeah, if you had had if you'd walked into that room in Florida and it was more like a, a, a you know, buttoned up McDonald's or, or subway, you probably would have you know exited be before lunch, right? But uh, <laughs> because you, you know, so you go in there and you see opportunities. You, you can just come back to you know you scanning the classified sections or biz ops sections, right? So you're constantly looking for opportunities, right? And what's good about it too is you is you act upon those opportunities. Right. I mean, how many folks may have seen that thing and not done anything? Well, you immediately call the guy and, and go and say, Hey, this is a great. And, and you could see it very quickly. So again, getting in, buying it right. Again, so, you know, buying right's an important part. So you, you kind of came and give yourself, give yourself some, some leeway, which, which, which is fantastic. So, so yeah, so the business was very simple. Yeah, we're going in, we're cleaning oil, we're collecting oil. Now, you had other ideas though. And you were, and you were, and again, the, the biodiesel was part, but you, you created a lot of other products and helped kind of push a lot of those products. And, 
and you've, you know, over the last 15 <clears throat> years, you've helped kind of grow the business and add stuff. So you know, maybe share a little bit about how you got involved with, with, with doing some of those things. You know, what were some of those next yeah. products that you kind of started to push and including setting up your own plant in Avon Lake? We'll talk about that process a little bit as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, so it's funny because that's about, I mean, this is about the time that I met you guys um, is, uh, you know, we, I had I decided I didn't want to be, you know, I'm not going to build a biodiesel plant. I'm not, I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to collect the oil and uh, I'm going to, you know, continue to build the customer base. And, um, you know, the, the timing with you all, I, I then meet you guys um, and we started, uh, we started ha having some relationships with other people that collected oil and we had opportunities to buy that oil from them. So essentially we were buying the oil and then we, were re we would resell it. Um, and what we were learning is that we actually needed to clean that up. So oil that gets picked up on the street, you know, most restaurants, if they're not doing business with us, uh, have a container behind their building or they have a container that collects the oil. And then there's uh, rendering companies that go around just very similar to a trash company where they, they go around and they pick up the oil and then they take it back to a plant and they clean it up and then they sell it into, you know, a number of markets, um, biodiesel being one that I've, I choose to send, sell everything into. Um, you can, you, you, believe it or not, you can make a lot of crap out of vegetable oil. <laughs> a lot of different things that you wouldn't, you wouldn't imagine. I'm sure. Uh, but, you know, so, so we had done that. We started building that. And we, at that time, we kind of came up against, oh, gosh, we're not meeting the specs on this product. So we got to figure out how to, how to process this. Again, I had no idea what I had no no idea what to do, um, and uh, uh, I run across in the classified <laughs> this guy that talks about how do you get how do you, you know I'll help you uh, I forget what is that his name is Dewey Walker, um, good old Southern boy Dewey, uh, and his last name is Walker and I was like Walker Lee so I call him up it's fun, and uh, he was working he I think he he had met one of my FOTA colleagues down in Louisville or some, somehow, not exactly sure how I, we all got connected, but the three of us got connected. Um, and I call him up. I said, Hey, you know, I mean, this is what I'm doing. I, I heard you build these plants or, you know, your consult or whatever, you know, let's talk about this. And um, so he told me, yeah, that's what he does. So I flew to Florida and um, uh, he walked me through uh, a, um, he had like this yard that had all these big tanks and, you know, and he told me all about how he, he had built a number of these plants and, uh, you know, introduced me to a couple guys that he'd done it for. And, um, and he's like, you know, here's, I think we paid him, you know, we bought the tanks and we paid him a royalty for a period of time, um, off of the sales of the oil. And, uh, so the funny part of the story is Dewey like didn't he didn't actually give me a map to say okay go do buy this here's where you find this this is actually what a wetback scotch boiler is <laughs> he just said go find a wetback scotch boiler I'm like <laughs> what the hell? what in the hell is that <laughs> so I go you know how you when you buy a car and, and um, you know I mean. I'm not really a car guy, um, but 
you know, I guess there was a time when you go by the car and, you know, the sales guy would open the hood and you'd stand there and you look at the motor and you're like, oh yeah, let's let, you know, it's, yeah, it's motor, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I, I have no idea what, like, okay, yeah, cool. I'm glad it's in there. <laughs> well, that's what this Scotch wetback boiler thing was. So I, you know, I'm calling around, Dewey's telling me what this is. And, you know, we, we finally tracked some pictures down on the internet, what this looks like. And I'm like, okay, I get it. But I still don't know like how many horsepower, you know, what the PSI rating, all this stuff. So um, I end up meeting this guy, one of Dewey's guys out in, uh, he's in Oakland and um, Oakland, California. And he had bought his boiler from a guy in Youngstown. So don't ask me how, but I'm like, okay, fine. So I called this guy up and he's like, yeah, I got one. And I'm like, okay. So I drive to Youngstown that day and he's got this thing out in the front in the front of his building i still got a picture of this to this day it's got like one of those you know blue tarp on it that's you know torn up it's got like the yellow uh you know nylon line holding the thing down and he he goes over and he takes the lines off and he flips the the, the cover over and it's like yep there you go you know that's a um 350 pound you know 75 horsepower boiler I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, okay. He's like, I'm like, that looks pretty old. And he's like, yeah, it was built in 65. I was like, holy shit, <laughs> that thing is older than me. So, yeah, so I'm like, he's like, but I just, you know, I retubed it. I did all this stuff. So I called Dewey and I'm like, hey, I, here's what I got. Does this sound right? He's like, yeah, that sounds right. And uh, like, okay. So I buy this thing. And, uh, you know, I bought Dewey, bought a couple tanks from Dewey and he was building out, you know, setting them all up. And next thing you know, everything shows up at my plant. And then I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's great. So now how do I get it to work? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I got to hire a plumber and then we got to go get the pipe fitters to weld all this. I mean, I learned more. I, I, I don't even know how I did that. Like I, to this day, I don't know how that happened. Um, it was just one of those, like I talked to people, I, I trusted that the guys that I, you know, someone would refer me to this pipe fitter. And then someone, you know, so the guy that actually built our plant that did all the welding and built the, you know, the steam header and all that stuff and connected it to our cook tank. And he still works for us today, does all our boiler, you know, boiler and does some welding and stuff for us and great great guy and was just somebody that I found through having a number of conversations um you know I, I didn't just call the first boiler company that was in the you know listed um and I just started asking around you know more so because it was it's not cheap it wasn't wasn't that cheap to do um and and mind you I'm bootstrapping every penny of this there's no bank that would touch me so um, I had, you know, every penny that I was spending was money that we were generating out of the business um, or my wife was giving me some money at the time. And, you know, so we didn't have uh, the luxury of, of raising funds or, or, or bank loan um, because, you know, it coming out of bankruptcy, uh, I mean, took a long time. I knew it was going to be a, bitch but i didn't realize it was going to be that um 
didn't realize it was going to be that hard and take as long as it did. Um, and, you know, so we built. Good, good. So, you know, we got the plant built. Uh, we started collecting. We had, we were buying oil from various different guys. Uh, oil prices were really high at that time. So that was helping us cash flow a lot of this. Um, you know, so, so it was important. The timing of all that was good. Our filter business wasn't really growing as fast as it could have been because I was distracted over here on this side. Um, and, um, you know, our team was small. So, uh, and I think when you and I, when we were working at that time, uh, there was a couple of opportunities that came up of um, acquisitions. And right. the, uh, um, you guys, I mean, I remember the first guy, um, these were both single operator, you know, and they had one band and uh, had a little bit of business. And they were, one guy was in Akron and the other guy was in this other territory in Cuyahoga County down kind of Strongsville you know, the south, uh, uh, southwest area. And you guys told me, you said, well, Terry, it's, here's how it works. It's, it's, there's either terms or there's cash. <laughs> what would you say? There's either, um, yeah, it's either the price or the terms, but not both. Right. And, and you, and, and then what you said in the beginning was mm-hmm. that if they'll, you know, sometimes they'll just, if they want to give it to you, they'll give it to you. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and, uh, so, uh, a good lesson that I use to this day, but, um, the, you know, at the time, I mean, we, we worked through that, you know, the three of us talked about what does this look like? Um, you know, it wasn't a huge purchase. I think we bought that guy's business. Um, his name was Wayne. I don't know if you guys remember that was, uh, that was Wayne and, uh, (laughs) um, we bought Wayne's business. Uh, I think it was like 40 grand or something. Um, and then, uh, then the other guy, Ryan, uh, uh, out in Akron, we bought his business. Um, and it was a little more, I think we, he had a little bit more business and, but same kind of you deal. Know, deal. It, I mean, you know, sorry, just, just for a second, uh, we, we've advised a number of people on, on that to make these acquisitions and so many small business owners, don't put acquisitions on their table for something to do. They, they have these Wall Street ideas, you know, and they're, right. you can buy guys who are just tired of running their business in the ground and throwing money into it. And you can make very good deals for yourself if you're committed like you are. So, yeah. but yeah, go on. Yeah, were? so so that was, you know, at that time, I mean, we built, you know, we bought those that kind of built our business. And then, um, we were collecting a fair amount of oil. So, you know, the franchisor was like, hey, we need to figure out how to get, we want to start collecting oil as well. So we started talking with them about kind of how we did it. And, um, you know, they put some resources behind, you know, building some equipment to collect oil and, and then built a, started offering that as part of their franchise package. Um, so now, you know, that's part of, you know, collection, oil collection is a part of the, the franchise. Um, then it came to a point where we were like, hey, we really want to start selling oil to our customers. And we really like to do it in bulk. So I went back to the franchisor and said, you know, I have customers that are asking about this, you know, currently, like, I mean, the traditional way of what customers getting oil is, you know, they have these 35 pound boxes of, that are jugs um of uh of oil so it's about a five gallon jug 
um, and that gets delivered to the customer and that's what they use to put in the fryers. And um, there is a competitor in the space that has, you know, a system where they install in the restaurant and they plummet to the, to the fryers. So they fill a tank full of oil and it has a line and they have a gas handle and you can fill the fryers. I'm like, we should be able to figure out how to do that. Um, and so, you know, again, Filta put their resources behind it. I was committed to help them uh, roll it out, um, you know, do what was necessary to make that happen. Um, and that was a, it took about, I think it took probably six months or so for them to do that. Um, and then I was out trying to figure out how I was going to pay for this. Um, cause I had, to, I, it was about $150,000 investment at the time. And, uh, I had to buy 6,000 gallons worth of storage in my facility. I had to plummet, get some pumps and, and then we were going to buy these tanks. And I think I spent, you know, I think the tanks were like, I don't know, 150 a piece. I think I bought 50 of them. I was pretty, um, I was pretty optimistic at what I was going to be able to sell. <laughs> and um, so they build this system and they call me and Jason is our, uh, is the founder. He calls me up. And he's like, yeah, mate. He says he's British. I can't, I don't have a good British accent. So I'm not even going to try. <laughs> but he's like, uh, he's like, Hey, um, how many customers do you think you have that we can come up? We're ready to, we're ready to roll this out and get, get some installs done. I'm like, well, you know, I probably got about five or six. He's like, great, we'll be up on December 12th. So this, I don't know, might've been November. And I'm like, okay, great, I'll see you then. Hang up the phone, I'm like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I have nobody, nobody is willing to give me this business. So I'm, I'm calling like my best customers. I'm like, please, please just let me put this in and we'll try it. You know, I'm not gonna charge you anything to put it in. So finally get my, uh, this guy, um, Toby Heinzelman, uh, who's, uh, now with Driftwood Group, uh, but at that time he was, well, he was with Driftwood at that time, but he was my second customer that I ever got. And he was, at that time he was with Pickwick and Frolic. And I call him up and I'm like, Toby, man, come on. I'm begging you, <laughs> please let me install this thing. And he's like, well, the only place we can do it is down in Brunswick at Mapleside Farm. I'm like, ah, Brunswick's not even my territory. And, you know, it's way out of the way, but I'm like, I'm, we're doing it. We're going to put it in there. You know, we'll, we'll service it. We'll do whatever we need to do. So these guys show up and I'm, I'm telling the story that, you know, I had, you know, two or three people on the hook and they, you know, it's Christmas time getting close to, you know, all this, why I couldn't close the deal on any other, <laughs> but, you know, they were happy. We got the one installation, we put it in and got to test it and work it and take some video and that. And, um, and so then we're in the bulk oil business and uh, we um, uh, we had 6,000 gallons um, of oil sitting in our shop and we had one customer that we were selling 25 gallons every two weeks to. <laughs> <laughs> Lifetime supply is 6,000 gallons for those. Yeah, guys, right? so, so we, uh, we, we really um, were uh, plugging away at that. And that was about, about then we started, you know, I think I had, had hired a couple of salespeople, you know, I had one and then, then I had another, you know, that person moved on. We brought another person in. Um, I was spending a little more time operation in the operations and finance wasn't really out selling as much. Um, and, uh, you know, we, I think by about, um, 
want to say that that would have brought us up to maybe 2015, 16, maybe 17, somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, and uh, uh, so we had been in business um, maybe 10 years at that point. Uh, and things that were starting to change. We were growing, we hit a million dollars, I think in like maybe 2015. Um, and I had a director of, or an operations manager that he was my third employee. And, you know, this guy was really good at helping us get, you know, getting the work done. I mean, you know, I could rely on him to get work done. You know, um, I was still kind of doing all the hiring with the techs and, and, you know, but Ryan and I had another guy, Dave, that did a lot of our training and, um, you know, did work some work in the field. We, we had picked up, you know, a lot of the, we, we had all the big venues, I think at that point. So all our stadiums in town, uh, a lot of the, um, a lot of the colleges. And so, you know, you're, you're big, big suspects that have a lot of friars. And so we were just trying to figure out now, how can we capture more and more, you know, more and more business? How do we get better at routing? All that kind of stuff. How do we pay for all this? Um, you know, cause as we were growing, we needed more and more cash. So, you know, every van that we would build out was now, you know, $25,000 of in-van equipment plus our filter equipment plus the van. So, you know, we were at about 65, $70,000 in each unit building out. So there was a lot of cash going, you know, trying to figure out how we were going to grow this thing. Um, and the, uh, um, we didn't grow as quickly because I kept getting distracted with these other, you know, like building this plant and then, then figuring out how to, you know, do fresh oil. And, you know, there was a couple of other non-starters in there that, you know, cause I was the, you know, we were the biggest franchisee in the system. So uh, the franchisor kept calling and, and we we're running a good business and kept calling saying, Hey, Terry, can you try this? You're the one with the most amount of customers. And I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds great. You know, and then six months later, I'm like, this sucks. Like you just wasted my time. It doesn't work. Nobody wants to buy it. Um, so, you know, you said earlier, Adam, about seeking opportunity or willing to look at opportunities. Like one of the things I've learned is that there's a point where that's got to stop. Um, and, you know, looking at our core business and what we really do well, um, and then, Opportunities that fit within that core make sense. So for us, you know, when we started, um, we started as a filtering business, you know, filtering and cleaning oil and fryers. Then we also then collected the oil when it couldn't be used anymore. And then we processed that oil so that it could be sold into an, another market. Then we added on selling you the oil. So now as a, from a customer perspective, I'm, I'm providing you three types of service that are all together on one invoice. Then we kind of started cleaning their grease traps. So anything that's related to grease in a restaurant, we can handle. Um, that all makes sense. It all is in line, makes us stickier uh, with the customer. They have one vendor to work with um, and you know one vendor to, to yell at or praise. So, um, so it, it took a while to figure that out to say, you know, we need to do that. But once we did, 
we started to really see some started to see some growth. Um, and uh, in 2000, right around 17, 18, um, my longtime operations manager and I parted ways. Um, looking back on it, it, it was one of those, um, I just said this, I was at the Filter Conference this past weekend in Florida, and uh, they had me on a panel talking about organizational structure and our growth plan and all that. And so, you know, one of the things that happens in business is that sometimes the business outgrows the people and other times the people outgrow the business. Um, and the, uh, um, and it's okay for both of those things to happen. And we all get, we get caught up a lot in how, you know, where we, where we failed, maybe that person or where we failed the business or something like that. And, and it's just, it's just a fact of life. Um, you know, what got us here isn't going to get us there. And the same goes for the people. And um, so, you know, Ryan and I had parted ways. Um, you know, he went on to work for another franchisee for a while. Um, and, uh, you know, I took over some of that role. Um, initially, we had, we had some turnover. We had, the culture was not great um, when that happened. I didn't realize kind of how bad the culture was. Um, in the, you know, out in the field. Um, and so, you know, we turned over a fair amount of staff and I was kind of back working on the vehicle, working on the vans, servicing customers. Um, I could say that, I don't know if I worked harder then <laughs> or during COVID. One of those, two of those, are, they're pretty darn close. Um, and, uh, you know, so we, I had to, you know, I had to go out and do work and then hire people and train and get, you know, get that team rebuilt. Um, and then we were, then we were able to bring in, uh, you know, another higher level operations person uh, that had a little more experience in working with bigger field teams. Um, at this point, we probably had about 12 routes. So uh, we had, I think we had about 14 technicians. Uh, we probably had about 18 to 20 people. Um, at this point, doing a couple million dollars in revenue. And um, uh, so at the end of 19, uh, you know, we, we just kept building, um, had, had a couple of steady salespeople at that point uh, from, you know, 17 to 19, really. Uh, I think we finished 19 at a, just under $3 million in sales. And we're going into um, uh, 20, you know, with, I mean, we had a big growth plan. We had a lot of momentum, like everybody. Uh, we had cash. Um, we, we, I don't know that we've ever, we really didn't become bankable until after COVID <laughs> or actually during COVID really is interesting. I mean, I had a banking relationship, uh, you know, that, that's a story for another day, but, you know, I, I could, uh, I, if I, if I had to have a job, this job would actually kill me, but I probably know more than most of these loan officers at the bank. So, um, it's, when, it comes to, when it comes to credit and lending and what you, what the requirements are. Um, cause I, I shop banks for, from day one and, um, you know, I have the little bit of, was able to start you know, as, as the, the further the bankruptcy got behind, the, the easier it was to, you know, use credit to buy equipment, but you were always paying for, you know, I mean, I had, 
I had vehicle loans at like 15%. I mean, at times, so I mean, I was just rid paying ridiculous rates. Um, but you know, you need to do it to, to make it, you know, do what you got to do. Um, and so when in 19, I mean, we had, we were, we were really pumping. I mean, we, you know, we're, we're putting on a couple vans a year. We had a bunch of customers coming on. We, we had pretty good recruiting momentum. Um, we had built a good team. Um, and the, the culture in the business was really about, you know, we started to develop our core values at that time. Um, and which was one of the things that I, I, you know, I've always had core values that I, you know, I operate by, but I've never really put them out in our business. And when the, the day that we decided that we're going to, you know, we're going to plunge on a strategic, you know, program uh, called Entrepreneur's Operating System, so, or EOS. And, um, you know, we hired a facilitator to help us do this. And we, uh, um, part of that process is putting together cadences for meetings and, you know, setting your goals and, you know, and then tracking it. Um, all things that you guys helped me with in the beginning. I mean, I still use your 13 week cash flow model. So, <laughs> but um, the, uh, um, you know, kept building upon that as we grew. And then this program really kind of helped me taking a lot of that off of me and having a system in place to, to understand how to run it. And it's just, you know, do this and stick, you know, and follow it. And uh, um, that was really good for us. But core values really kind of helped me to say, where are we at? What are our, what do we look like? Who are we? And, you know, um, the business is about me. I developed the culture in the business, but it, it is like we look, when we started looking at core values, we did a, you know, we did an engagement survey with our team and then we did an engagement survey with our customers. And um, one of the things that one, one thing that came back was um, your people are so kind and nice and helpful and, uh, and um, you know, just treat everybody fair. Um, the other word that was used was dependable. And, you know, they would say, we can count on you're dependable. So we started looking at this, go through this core value process. And I'm like, well, I mean, my friends would describe me as nice and kind um, and authentic. Uh, and, you know, I pride myself on being dependable and doing what I say I'm going to do. And customers are saying that. I'm like, well, shit, those are, that's two pretty easy ones. Start looking at our team. And then, you know, freedom is my biggest core value, hence not being able, not working for anybody. <laughs> right. But it's always been my core value. And, and from, a, from a company standpoint, we say, oh, well, freedom is, means a lot of different things to different people. But, um, you know, what, what are the things behind that? Which is like, hey, we're going to give you the tools to do the job. You can go out there. You're independent, doing your thing. We want you to be able to make decisions. And, uh, and you know, empowerment was the word that came out. Um, and then we're just really proud of what we do. I mean, we're a cleaning company at the end of the day. So we got to look good. We got to do things right. We got to have our equipment clean, the customer's equipment clean. And, you know, we want to always get better. So we're proud of what we do. So our core values are nice, 
dependable, empowered, and pride. And that's, you know, that, that's how we built the business. And, and once that happened and we start talking about it and really focus on the culture and find the people that fit those, the rest of it's easy. The rest of the well, there's totally nothing but easy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Simplify that's stuff. That's how it's about. And well, well uh, you know, if you're sharing that story, because uh, you know, I want to bring this up, and as we kind of conclude here, to talk a little bit about you mentioned COVID, and and for folks to appreciate this, you, you may have guessed, you know, with a lot of restaurants and bars and and sporting venues and everything else, you might imagine what happened in mid March uh, to, to to Filton and many other companies, where all of a sudden, literally overnight things went to zero because people just couldn't open up and everything. And so you described a little bit kind of like the, was it the worst as well as maybe the, the, the best five days of your life in terms of what kind of went through that, but all the lessons you'd learned and, and all the work you'd done to, to, to that point to kind of create the culture you talked about and going through that, that somewhat dark period of mid March of, of 2020. So if you want to share a little bit of the highlights of that in terms of kind yeah. of what, what that was and, and how that all kind of came to be. Yeah, um, it was uh, it was a uh, it was crazy. Um, we, uh, you know, we had we had embarked on this EOS. I had, you know, I had found a mentor about a year prior, and one of the things that we had been working on is really kind of spending a lot of time on our numbers, and you know, kind of getting it, the numbers lined up, starting to look at value of the business, you know, for future value and what what that looks like and how to plan for that and um so this is kind of a prerequisite for what happened in, during covid because we um you know so i was at the basketball game uh, one of our vendors took took me and my ops manager to the Cavs game and it was that game where i think it was the timberwolves that they're playing and the one player had covid and uh um and then the next day the the venues were like we're we're shutting down like this guy got covid and you know we don't know what we're going to do and we, we were sitting behind the bench where the dude was so um we're like yeah you know I, I don't know so but we knew that something was going on because then they they told us so that was um the quicken loans and and then um some of our college were starting to you know there's starting to be some uh, rumbling there and then the next week, uh, I'm sitting at home and, and we had been, you know, people have been talking to us and they were, you know, we'd heard from some of the bigger customers and some of the corporate customers, and, but nobody really had said anything was gonna change except for them. Um, and uh, then um, uh, sitting at home the su that Sunday on the 16th, my wife had come home from a walk and she walked in the door and she said, and I, you know, I was reading or doing whatever I was doing. And she's like, did you hear the governor just shut all the restaurants down? And I was like, what are you talking about? And I flip on the TV and there he is. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh my God, you gotta be kidding me. You almost want to pinch yourself. Like, am I having a nightmare here? You know, this, you know, this can't really be yeah. happening. Right. Yeah. I was like, what? And then, you know, my phone starts blowing up. And so, like, I don't know, I, I said, I, I, let me just, I'll, I'll, we'll see you guys in the morning, business as usual, we'll figure this out tomorrow. So I spent the rest of Sunday, like, figuring out what I'm going to do. 
you know, so I get on the phone with my advisor. I'm like, hey, what do, you know, what do we do about this? And he's like, you know, we got to cut fast, got to cut deep. Uh, we got to, you know, conserve cash. Uh, we got to make tough decisions. And then, you know, we got to figure out what's happening. And um, so I had, uh, um, so Monday morning, I get my two supervisors, this, this two salespeople, my ops guy, we call every single customer Monday morning. <laughs> so that was about 390. Um, they made, they called everybody and they called every number until they talked to somebody. And while they were doing that, and my team was out in the field, you know, servicing what the customers on Monday, um, I was on the phone talking to all the lenders, anybody I had a note with, anybody that I could defer payments with, any of that. and. The what I learned is that Monday was way too fast because <laughs> nobody knew what the hell they were doing. Thanks like, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, we don't even know that this is happening. So, um, so we decide that uh, um, uh, we, we, we go through all that. So the, the big decisions that I made is by Thursday, we had known, you know, that we lost 85% of our business. So you know, Monday, Tuesday, people were like, well, I'm not sure what's going to happen. You know, we might shut down for a little bit, but the people we were talking to didn't actually, they weren't, some of them may not have been the owners. And then by Thursday, everybody's in the same boat we are. And they're like, we're, we're done. Um, and uh, so um, by Thursday, I laid off 23 people. Um, I had had most of our, I had talked to all of our lenders uh, every vendor that I owed money to, any, everybody that to try to push money forward. Um, and then uh, we had spent a, a lot of our time collecting our cash. Uh, so, you know, any credit cards that we had on file, any of that, we told the customer we were going to charge, uh, charge off. And, and um, so our goal was to collect all the cash and the, the three, we kept three people. Uh, myself, my plant manager, my vacuum truck driver, and one route driver. Um, and those were the only people that were working. And then I, then I started spending my time trying to go after all the government funding. So, um, you know, I learned everything I possibly could about the disaster loans. I started applying early. Um, the other thing that we did was our tax return was ready. So... Um, we filed a tax return immediately. Uh, I mean, probably that week um, and filed it and paid it because uh, I figured I would be in a better position to have all that, all my ducks in a row, my financials done, my tax return filed. If I got to go to the bank and, you know, whatever, um, I'm prepared and I have a story to tell up to this point that, you know, we're growing, we really had momentum, you know. This is what we've done. This is where we're um, uh, where we're headed, and uh, um, you know, unfortunately, the banking relationship that I had was with a bigger bank, so I didn't really have a relationship manager. And you know, the way they handled the PPP was a nightmare. Um, I actually did that all myself. Um, you know, I I filled out the application. I I got all the data, gathered all the data. Um, and um, uh, did that as well as the idle loans. So, um, 
coming out of COVID, uh, one of the things that we, I, I would say, I mean, I get asked this all the time, uh, you know, it's like, well, what happens when you lose 85% of your business overnight? Like, what the hell do you do? And, uh, you know, like, I, I'll tell you, I mean, I, um, the biggest thing is I just remained calm, <laughs> you know? I was probably the calmest person could be look facing like, you know, not knowing what, what's coming, like what's going to happen. I mean, am I going to have a business at the end of this? Um, I've gotten through worse. I mean, you know, I, I started a business out of bankruptcy. I mean, that's pretty damn hard. Uh, and I, you know, um, and I, you know, I didn't, I failed in another business. So I took some of those lessons which were make those decisions real fast and don't get emotional about it. Um, and I cried like a baby for three days. You know, I hugged every single person that came into that office today and handed me the keys to their vans. But, um, and I told them, as soon as this is over, you're coming back. Like, I mean, so that was, you know, I, I think I learned, the biggest thing I learned was one, I built a culture that my customers can rely on us and they need us um, and they recognize that we're here to take care of them. My team knew that we, we cared about them and we were going to take care of take care of them. Um, and then, you know, we made the decision that was going to be best for the business, not what was best for Terry, but what was best for the business so that we had something when it, when it was all said and done, you know? Uh, so we came out of COVID, it started back in, I don't know, maybe we started to see some business come back maybe May or May, June of that year. Um, we ended up the year at about 45% down um, at the end of 2020. And we actually made a little bit of money, uh, believe it or not. <laughs> Aside from all the, before all the, the government funds, um, and then um, we brought back everybody that wanted to come back uh, and we brought back, um, uh, we brought them back as, you know, we kind of, we did it right. I mean, we brought people back by seniority, not just like the best. I mean, we did do some of that, bringing back the best people, but, um, you know, we, we uh as business came on, we were bringing people up back ahead of it because we didn't really know how it was going to work out. But, um, you know, there, then by 2021, you know, February-ish, February, March, that's kind of when the faucet just turned on. I mean, it was like customers were back, a lot of them. Um, I think we ended up losing maybe, um, um, I want to say, maybe 10 customers altogether out of the whole that's thing. Yeah. Um, out of almost 400. That's impressive. Wow. Yeah. And it was our, the Testament I think was again, when you look at the team that we built and you know, how we take care of the customers and the service and the value that the customers see that we give them um, has uh, uh, you, you know, that, that told me that I was doing something right and you know that we have a we have a viable business here um so 
just to give you a quick like where we're at today i mean unless you have i'm sure you have no that, that, that was good that's that, that, let's let's finish it up in terms of yeah i was gonna yeah. ask you know you know you, you kind of alluded to you know you're getting this thing ready to eventually sell and create the value in terms of how you've started to kind of shift just before COVID happened i think you're starting to kind of build upon that now but yeah please please go on. yeah so i mean coming out of covid um you know 2019 or 2021 <laughs> you know we spent and, and in 2020 we didn't we doubled down on marketing so even though like we don't really have a i've never really had a real big marketing budget because the franchisor should do that there's some things that should you know but we're like we're going to do something and, and what we did was we we really kind of put together a platform to be able to communicate with the customers so we use that platform to keep them abreast of what's happening all year long. So we were constantly talking to them, you know, what's going on. Um, you know, we did launch a small service for disinfecting and cleaning, but it was pretty inconsequential. But, um, you know, that communication platform that the marketing service helped us with wasn't really about generating leads, but more about being able to better communicate. Um, and then we were doing webinars with our team, you know, so people knew what was happening on a monthly basis, uh, even the folks that were not working. So we didn't have a problem with people coming back to work. They all came back. I mean, you know, uh, um, you know, we experienced all the same stuff everybody's experiencing now. It's hard to find people and, you know, but we, uh, we have a focus on it and we, we, um, we believe we have a great place to work. So it's really just finding that person that wants to come work someplace great. Um, and so in 2020, we spent, I mean, I, I didn't stop my, with my coach. I didn't stop with my EOS. Um, I paid money. I invested money. I actually invested money in the business to, to look at setting us up. Cause I knew eventually we were going to get out of this thing. I mean, it was coming back. And then by 2021, we, we had a plan. We're like, this is where we're going. And, uh, so we had a three and a half million dollar goal in 2021. Um, if you remember 19, we finished at uh, 2.8, 2 2.7, something like that. We had a $3 million goal. You know, we had a small profit goal because, uh, you know, we, we weren't sure, we just weren't sure. Um, and uh, um, we also had, we did the, um, did the restaurant show back in 19, the Ohio restaurant show. And I invited all the other franchisees to that show that are in the area. So it's a couple guys in Toledo, guy in Youngstown, a couple guys in Columbus. And um, the two guys from Toledo show up and say, hey, why don't you buy my business? <laughs> 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 so I was like, I don't know. So then 2021 uh, was the year for me to, to realign. You know, we're, we're doing all this work, lining up our financials, looking about future value and and you know, at some point exiting, whether that's me selling the business and leaving or me, you know, owning the business and having people run it. You know, I don't know what exit. Um, I mean, it, it could be a number of things, um, but there is a point in time where, you know, I don't, I don't really want to be fully involved in the day to day. And uh, I want to keep moving away from that. And um, the, uh, so 21 was spent, I had to renegotiate my franchise agreement. Um, I was working on these acquisitions. So we had four acquisitions in play in 2021. Um, we had the two guys in Toledo, 
which were two single operators, you know, one man in a van operators, fairly small companies. And then we had this guy over in Youngstown who I had ta started talking to back in 2019. Um, Cause I, I knew his kids were, when his kids were in college, there was some idea he had talked about maybe when his kids graduate from college moving south. So I had a conversation with him and, you know, we just kind of kept in touch. And then one day it, it came to, you know, um, he called me and said, Hey, I got, I'm, I'm ready to talk about this again. And uh, so, um, uh, so I spent pretty much all of my 2021 with attorneys. <laughs> um, you know, our, our franchise agreement, we had to really do a lot of work on that because it, the, the, my last agreement, um, the agreement was really written for kind of smaller businesses. And um, there's lots of things in there that were, didn't align with where we were going as a, to be, a, you know, to build a bigger business. So um, it took a lot longer than I would have, I, I, I even thought it would take. I mean, I knew it was going to take time. Once I had to get my, the attorney and find the franchise attorney, I knew it was going to be longer, but um, we got what we wanted out of it. I think we got a fair uh, deal. I think they definitely got a, a good deal out of it, the franchisor. And it's now this agreement, we can, you know, we'll be able to grow our business pretty significantly. Um, and it's not going to, prohibit us from doing the things we want to do. And then we were able to close all those deals. So we closed uh, the two Toledo deals in, um, uh, um, those closed, I think in the end of the year, October, September, October-ish. And then we closed the Youngstown deal in November. Um, and uh, the, the last one was um, uh, in a market that I'm gonna remain anonymous at the moment. But um, that those conversations have reopened, Good. so um, so that that likely will happen this year. Um, and uh, you know, with those with those deals and what were our plans? I mean, we're projected to do about seven million this year. So um, and just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> well, Terry, um, this has been this has been awesome. I mean, you know, this has been probably the fastest hour and 45 minutes I've had. I mean, just, Absolutely. just you got to kind of share your story. You, you tell it, you tell it well. And it's just, as you look back, it's one of those things to be able to tell it too, helps you start to make a connection to those dots in terms of, yeah, you know, the, the 20 year old Terry, the way he'd handle things, you know, you know driving around in his, his station wagon versus 50 year old Terry is very, very different, but right. you know, you learned all those lessons and, and, and put them into practice. And the ultimate test, I think, is what happened during, during COVID during these last couple of years in terms of what happened in terms of how well you, manage the business, how, how your team handled it, how your customers did. I mean, it just, you know, a pluses across the board from that standpoint in terms of, in terms of how things kind of go. And, and the best part of this is you haven't lost your passion for it. You, you really seem to be enjoying yourself. You seem to be having a lot of fun. And I guess a big part of that probably is going back to your, your, one of your, your opening comments about being that lifelong learner is even though you've been in business for yourself right. for 30 plus years now you know, in a variety of different companies, um, you continue to kind of learn. You don't know it all. You, you know a hell of a lot, and but but you're constantly craving to be able to kind of learn more. And I think that's one of the ongoing reasons for your success and doing things. And um, it's been great to the great. I really appreciate you sharing your story with 
with our audience today. And we look forward to continue to kind of uh, see your successes going forward and, 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 and really just wish you nothing but best of luck in the future. But it's been great having you on the show today and be able to kind of share, share your story with us and our audience. And uh, we really appreciate it. I'll second yeah, that very much yeah. so, Terry. It's been great seeing you. Great seeing you, Jack. I, I, you know, I, you guys, uh, you're part of it. I mean, you, you help me when you think about basics, right? And, you know, we tend to forget about the basics of business. Um, so, you know, plug for coaches, right? But I mean, really, you know, we, we don't think about how we need coaches. And, and what coaches do is help us get back to the basics or think about things that we don't want to do or just kind of, you know, keep reminding us that this foundation getting set is what's going to help us get moving forward. And I mean, I could talk to you guys for hours. Um, but <laughs> I, I think the audience got, you know, can, can tell that too. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, but we'll probably have, we'll probably have uh, something, something <laughs> along the way I, you know, as we go forward, we'll have a little get togethers here. Well, yeah, well is, yeah. again, thank you guys very much. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Terry. Yeah, and a key thing, and this key key message not only for you, but for our audience too, is, is you stay coachable, Terry. That's a big part of it too. Some people, you know, are coachable for a while and they stop. You know, you keep being coachable and and, and understand. Hey, you know, if I'm going to grow and get better, I got you know, I got to surround myself with people who, who kind of know what's kind of going on, who can help me kind of get there. Well, tell me how it is, and and and, and it's not often easy to hear those things. But you know, again, you've you've grown tremendously. It's it's been great to see. So. So yeah, that's our that's our show for today. If you, if you if you've missed any of our prior shows, you can get them all at dirtysecretsofsmallbusiness.com. If you want to hear more great stories like Terry's or or other uh, stories that Jack and I share, we have over 300 episodes. We've been doing this for almost six years now. And uh, if you want to get to your smart device, you can do that as well. Go to your favorite podcast player. It could be Spotify, iHeart, uh, Apple Podcasts, and search for Dirty Secrets of Small Business. We usually drop a new episode every Thursday morning. So uh, please feel free to uh, uh, subscribe to it and, and, and leave a, a review as well. That would be fantastic. If you have any questions for us, you can email us at radio at MaximumVP.com or give us a call, 877-849-0670. Uh, so that's, again, that's the show for, the, for this week. Again, Terry, thanks again for, for joining us this week. And uh, we'll talk with you all next week. <laughs>